folks, the NFL Draft Bible Podcast, all access football. We're getting you ready for the NFL Combine, the NFL Draft, of course. We're going to do a positional preview, running backs, uh, the latest draft buzz, a few hot takes mixed in. Uh, the whole crew is here, raring to go. And like I mentioned, the pod, uh, the uh, Combine is right around the corner, and that's going to be the bulk of our show uh, just breaking down the NFL draft like no one else can do. Uh, should have my uh, the boss man, RIC, on the line. Is that you, Rick? Oh, yeah, Joe. I appreciate you holding it down. We're back at it again on the air. Oh, man, we can't stop. We won't stop. I'm fresh out of the dentist's office, Joe. I, I've done a show <laughs> with half of my mouth numb before. Today we're doing it. The whole entire mouth is numb, but they can't hold us down, baby. It just happens this way sometimes, and we got to break it all down because the combine is upon us. I leave on Monday to come link up with you, my good friend. And, of course, we're going to start it off with the National Scouting Combine. we got John Franklin the third from FAU, fresh off um, a 419 laser time 40 yesterday. He'll be performing at the National Scouting Combine, and uh, it looks like he has a very good chance to break John Ross's record of a year ago. So we'll let that cat out of the hat. There's a big story up on the sporting news about it that we retweeted this morning. And, of course, today, it's me, baby. It's all right seeing the place to be, Rick Saratella. Telling it like it is with my co-host, Joe Everett, never leaving a stone unturned. Justin Gamble always dropping a hammer on him. And uh, we're going to toss some hot topics around the table. Do we have uh, Justin yet, Joe? Oh, yeah. I'm here. I'm ready to go. Okay. All right. Well, I love you guys, and I appreciate your patience. And all you crazy listeners out there, don't adjust your stereo. It's just me on some Novocaine, baby. <laughs> so, guys. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, before we, you know, we're breaking down the positions each and every week leading you up to the draft destination, Dallas, 63 days away. Last week we did quarterbacks. This week we'll do running backs. But before we get into the running back positional preview, I'm curious to know what hot topics are striking a nerve with you guys. Bill Polian set off a firestorm this week by suggesting that Lamar Jackson should switch to wide receiver. Now, I see a lot of people out there saying Lamar Jackson's six foot three. I've, I've stood next to Lamar Jackson. He's maybe six foot one. Also, he's 195 pounds dripping wet. You know, I think that's the one thing that when we get to Indianapolis, we'll get to see the measurements of guys like Lamar Jackson. And I think, you know, speed, you know, speed, the need for speed always on display, whether it's Saquon Barkley, DJ Shark, uh, Dante Jackson, Denzel Ward, Derwin James. I think those are some of the guys people are anticipating big, big combine performances from. But I'm curious from your perspective, from your point of view, what are some of the hot topics or things that you're looking forward to uh, this week coming up in Indianapolis? Justin, 
I'll start it off with you. How can we move past Lamar Jackson, man? I mean, it seemed like once Bill Polian said that yesterday or two days ago, whatever, Twitter blew up, ESPN blew up, NFL Network blew up. Um, I don't think – I think we could only talk about Lamar Jackson from now till the draft and we'd have enough content to last us. Um, that is – it's it's just – it's so polarizing. It's such a crazy topic because it turns into more than just a bad football take. It turns everyone turns it into something racial. Everyone turns it into, you know, everything that you could possibly think of. It just seems to come out of the woodworks. All the topics, um, and I, I don't, I don't know where everyone else stands. I know Joe likes him a lot, but I know Joe. I think has kind of been saying that he wouldn't take him in the first round. Is that right, Joe? No, that's positive. I wouldn't even – I'd have to be convinced in the second. Someone would have to motivate Ooh. me to do it. <laughs> and I think I'm with you, too. I was rewatching some of his games last night. I rewatched uh, Mississippi State and LSU, his two bowl games. And, like, I mean, if, if anyone has question marks about Lamar's game, those are the two where you turn those on and say, like, oh, wow, like, he is not as hard to defend as we thought. And he has a lot more passing deficiencies than we thought. And if you attack him the right way, uh, the guy kind of crumbles. And it's not even that he crumbles. It's just he doesn't have maybe the passing acumen yet and the overall. I mean, he's is he the best athlete maybe in college football? Yeah, but does that mean he's going to be the best athlete in the NFL? No. And even when he played SEC teams, you saw guys were hunting him down. And it wasn't super hard. If you confuse him a little bit, I mean, Mississippi State was sending a lot of nickel corner blitz type stuff at him. So if he, when he, once he felt that pressure from the outside – he kept – he constantly was failing to, you know, identify those blitzes and hit his hot routes. There was a few plays at the end of the game against Mississippi State where he had running backs on wheel routes that he could have hit. He had crossers that were wide open. But because of the pressure, even though the pressure was two seconds away, he just failed to see those and kind of just crumbled in the backfield. Um, and it was like, well, where's that? You know, everyone says you can't bring him down with one guy. I don't know. Maybe you can. If he doesn't see it coming originally, I think you can. Um, and I think some of these things about his game, man, they're really starting to take a toll as far as the knocks on him are getting real. They're getting legit. And I think it's crazy that people don't, you know, maybe he's not a wide receiver, but he's not a first-round quarterback. I'll say that. Well, let me pose it this way, and I'll toss it over to you, Joe, for a follow-up. You know, Mike – Mike Vick responded by saying that Lamar Jackson is head and shoulders a better quarterback than when he was coming out of Virginia Tech. Let's rewind back, Joe. How accurate of a statement is that? And if there is some truth to it, why did Michael Vick go number one overall? And we're sitting here debating as to whether or not Lamar Jackson is even a first round or day two selection. Well, I think uh, area helped uh, Virginia Tech and then going to Atlanta be such a big hit was part of it. But that athletic prowess was just, I think, too great for the, the Falcons to ignore. What was it, the Chargers and then a trade to the Falcons? I forget how that draft unfolded specifically. But I think the hype was just built up around them just early on. I mean, as a freshman, and there's similar hype, but I just think maybe I hope the NFL is just kind of self-aware now at this point. It's like, boy, it's just going to take such a Herculean effort to get this guy on the field and start processing it. 
I, I, I don't see a team drafting him and saying, yeah, he's ready by week six. We're, we're, we're good to go. Uh, I mean, if you draft him, you're going to have to have an established quarterback. You're going to have to have a system that would fit him. And then you're going to have, uh, like I said, a, a, just a, a mountain of work to get this kid ready for when the time is right. And I just don't even know if that's this year yet. And just by, by facts, I mean, that's not worth a first-rounder to me. Uh, a guy that, hey, you know, we think there could be something there eventually, that's that's day two stuff in my books. And I'm 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 as big a Bill Polian fan you'll find anywhere. Uh, but uh, I do have to <laughs> say certain things of, like, him comparing him to Antonio Brown and saying, well, he, he has those movement skills and that's the kind of game. Well, it, it took Antonio Brown – uh, what would you say, 100,000 hours of practice, those routes. I mean, even when the guy's at home, he's got ladders in his house down the hallway he's drilled. So, I mean, he has uh, worked himself to the greatest NFL receiver in the game, not just given to him. So I just think anyone that's thinking uh, Lamar Jackson is going to be some great receiver, well, that will too take a year, maybe two, maybe three, before we start seeing the, the fruits of the labor, so to speak. So I just, yeah, it is. Uh, polarizing is a dead-on right word for Lamar Jackson, and really, I think three of the quarterbacks, Mayfield, there's just so much, you know, question marks around Josh Allen, the question marks, Lamar Jackson, this whole QB class, uh, just a, a I think a lot of uh, debate, like you said, Justin's right. I mean, Lamar Jackson would give us enough ammo right up until draft day, but uh, the three of them, I mean, that's that's going to be the whole conversation leading up right to the end of April. Yeah, obviously, you know, the quarterbacks are a hot topic. And, you know, it was Josh Allen who was buzzing before the, the Bill Polian comments with his uh, infamous – 50-yard throw on his knees hitting the goalpost and um, you know and the legendary uh, trails of Jamarcus Russell and Kyle Bowler and you know I think even Ryan Finley uh, you know we all know that it doesn't really mean too much and you know not to bounce around too much but Lamar Jackson you talk about switching to wide receiver you know, we've seen how long it's taken Braxton Miller and Terrell Pryor and didn't really work out for Blake Sims. And, you know, Tyrone Swoops is, is making the transition to tight end. But we're talking hot topics entering the combine. It's your host, R.I.C., and the place to be fresh out the dentistry. And uh, Joe Everett, Justin Gamma along for the ride here. Joe, any other things that you're going to be on the lookout for any guys that can really, you know, gain some noticeable attention and move up draft boards, any mover or shaking ability uh, entering Indianapolis this week? Well, I think the one that's not to break into the running backs too fast, but one running back I just can't wait to see what he does is Kalen Bellage. Uh The guy's shared carries. There's a lot of doubts about, you know, is he a, a full-time back? Is he going to be your starter? Well, Demario Richard taking uh, carries for, I think once this guy shows off his vertical leap and shows a 40-yard dash, what is he, 227 right now? Uh, I, I think he's going to be running in the four fives easy. Uh, we're talking a 40-inch-plus vertical leap. Uh, after this week, Kalen Balazs will now be, you know, talked about amongst maybe a top 10 running back, whereas before this, it's like, well, what is he? Do we know? 
Uh, that's a guy, I don't want to say he needs the combine, but the combine should be uh, the, the strength of his pre-draft process. And the same goes for uh, Christian Kirk, the Texas A&M wide receiver. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they don't know where to rank him as far as wide receivers. And where was the consistency at A&M? Well, it's not going to matter when he runs a sub 4-4-40. He's a great kick returner. I'm not going to say he's a polished-up wide receiver, but the raw athletic ability uh, after he runs and torches the field here in Indianapolis. I'm expecting a lot of people are, are really going to be uh, t- talking his name a lot. And then another receiver who I, I think desperately needs this combine, and that's Antonio Callaway from Florida suspended. This is a guy preseason. I had him as arguably one of the better receivers in college football. I really believe it. I mean, his film, just take away all these red flags and all the trouble he's gotten himself into, just keep it on the field. Uh, He is just a game changer, flat out. It may be corny, but it doesn't matter. I mean, he's thrown a touchdown. He's ran a touchdown. He's caught a touchdown, punt return touchdown, kick return touchdown. There's only a few people that have done this in the history of college football. T.Y. Hilton's won. Uh, I I think Callaway compares very favorably to the Indianapolis Colt here, and, and he's another guy I expect. Uh, he should have an excellent 40-yard dash. And with his red flags character concerns, he's a guy that definitely needs to, to just test extremely well uh, once he gets in the building here. Yeah, you know, and you see a guy like Marcus Peters get traded away today, and you wonder how much teams are going to weigh that risk-reward factor when it comes to Antonio Callaway. But, you know, <clears throat> we'll save the wide receiver conversation for next week for our wide receiver positional preview, let's dive into the running back conversation. And you mentioned Kalen Bellage. You know, Justin, here's a guy we were pretty high on coming into the year, uh, somewhat of an underwhelming season. But, you know, you get asked this question all the time, how much emphasis do you place on the scouting combine evaluation? Here's a guy who's had one great game in college where he ran for more yards in in one game than any running back in the history of college football. And then he has one good week at the senior bowl. Now he's expected to jump through the gymnasium and, and blow the roof off of Lucas oil stadium. How much value, how much emphasis do you place uh, when you take in this guy's full body of work? See, for me, he's a lot like Saquon Barkley. Um, Like the combine shouldn't make a huge difference because we expect these, we expect him to blow it up. You know what I mean? Like we expect him to go in there and destroy the jumps and run fast and look great catching the ball. We know he does all these things. That's not the issue with his game. Like that's that having a good combine shouldn't vault him up because we're expecting him to post good numbers. The, the thing with him that I think matters is his interviews. Teams are going to ask him, hey, you know, what happened down there in Tempe? Why didn't you – where was the consistency? Why didn't you blow it up? If you're this talented, where was it on the field? Um, you know, I think he needs to explain kind of what happened, and I think teams need to understand that this guy is extremely talented. He's extremely athletic. So we know that. There's, you know, watching him do things we know he can already do, that shouldn't change our opinions of him. But I think it's about finding how to motivate him and maybe understanding him as a player and trying to 
figure out for the NFL what's his best role and what's going to make his strengths flourish. I mean, at Arizona State, he was used so weird. It was like they tried to not develop him. It was like they made sure they didn't put him in roles that maximized his talents. And I think that was kind of what got him maybe a little mentally. I mean, as an athlete, when you're constantly doing not only something different each game, but you're doing things that don't really fit what you do well, you never really get into that groove and you never really feel like you're, you know, building on your own skill set. I think that was a big issue with him because some games, like you said, we saw him absolutely tear it up and he looked like a man amongst boys. And then other games you're like, he doesn't look motivated. He looks kind of lost, but like Barkley, yeah, we expect these guys to go blow up the gym and we expect them to run fast and jump high. And if we know that's coming, then why are we going to, why are we going to vault them up after they do something we already know they're going to do? So Balazs just needs to, I think he just needs to ace those interviews and um, teams need to figure out what they can do to maximize him. So, Justin, if he does what we expect him to do, is he still a day three pick? Do you start thinking about him on day two? Where is he on your personal big board? If you if you think – if you're a team that knows what role you want to get him in, and you, I mean, it's just like Alvin Kamara last year. If you know what you want to do with him and you have a plan that you're going to – you know, if, if he goes into a role like Kamara where he's heavily used in the pass game um, and he's used on a lot of, you know – outside zone stuff, things that get him going, things that maximize that athleticism. I think you can take a flyer on him day two because if he goes into that Kamara-type role, watch out. Um, The guy can play slot receiver. He can play, you know, out of that. He can do anything you really want him to do. You just have to get him motivated, and you just have to get him in something consistent. So, dude, that talent, that size, that speed, I think that's absolutely day two worthy if you know what you're going to do with him. Joe, this is such a deep running back class this year. I want to pose a two-part question to you. I think it's safe to say we all think Saquon Barkley will be the first running back off the board. But how far is the drop-off, you know, and, and on your personal big board, is it is it Darius Geis? Is it Ronald Jones? Is it Sony Michelle? And the second part of the question is, you know, if you're one of these teams picking inside the top five, I mean, are you on board with Saquon Barkley as a top five selection, or are you looking at it like, hey, I can come back at 35 overall or 37 overall, and maybe one of these guys that we mentioned is still there in the second round and can have a comparable career to Barkley. So, you know, Put that all in a uh, perspective for us in terms of do the right thing, how Joe. do you see? <laughs> hey, Joe, you're kicking it off here, man. The ball is in your court. I know Justin will have a follow-up for us. Well, I, I don't think there's a huge drop-off, first off, from uh, Barkley to Geis. Uh, I think Geis is just highly competitive, and he's also a big back uh, I think he brings a ton to the table. I mean, the one difference, maybe he's not as an accomplished pass catcher, but he can still do it. I mean, I don't think there's any real deficiency to guys' game. So, uh, But it, on the question of value, I would be the team that I would love to wait. I, I, just like you said, this class, um, I, I don't think it's just super deep, but there's a lot of good quality names, even when you're getting down to day two, day three. And, yeah, I've – 
I'd be the guy trying to wait for a Rashad Penny, a Sony Michelle, uh, a day, maybe just sneak one of those in a day three. I think you're just winning, uh, clearly winning, because, uh, you know, just boiling it down. I mean, Michelle, uh, actually, I'll just give you the three backs, uh, the Carrion Johnson, Geis, and then Sony Michelle would be the three I'd really love to target if I was going to wait on a back. Just simple fact, what'd they do against Alabama? They actually looked like real players against Bama. That that just tells me that's the litmus test that I need to see. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's a huge drop-off, but I'm not going to sit here and fault a team for taking Barkley in the top five and just the simple fact of, like, hey, you take someone in the lottery, or not the lottery, but that high, they better be putting the football in the end zone or they better be going to kill the quarterback one or two. And uh, Barkley definitely does that. I mean, he's the home run hitter. And for people to say he dances too much or hesitates at this and that, who's to say that isn't just the deficient Penn State offensive line and that crazy Morgan offense? So, I mean, I'm I'm not uh, just going to go attacking Saquon's vision uh, necessarily, uh, and I don't think he avoids contact. I think that's just kind of kind of ludicrous. I think he's just so constantly – uh, searching for that home run. That's all Barkley's about. So I think uh, just addressing that. But, yeah, if you're the Colts there uh, and you basically need every position on your roster with the exception of quarterback and safety, I've got no problem with taking Barkley. So I, it, I think that's kind of where I have him slotted. But, yeah, I think there's going to be a team 30s, to like you mentioned, Rick, maybe it's in the 40s of day two uh, that gets guys that gets Penny, that gets Michelle, and is just sitting there laughing and and, and saying, "Hey, we just we just got the the future of our running game, and it didn't even cost us but a third rounder." You know, Justin, I think this uh, the the rise of the comeback at the running back position it, it kind of began with Todd Gurley. We saw the impact he had this past year with the Rams' success. Then you see Jacksonville. You know, they take Leonard Fournette very high they go to uh almost the super bowl using fournette and then obviously ezekiel elliott uh suspended this year but last year you know helping the cowboys to 13 wins it sounds like you're a little skeptical on on the on the running back really being back and you know how do you you know how what what philosophy do you subscribe to is Saquon Barkley a bona fide top five top 10 talent or are you more of what Joe prescribes you know wait around day two day three get a guy like Jordan Howard Alvin Kamara and hope for the best well I look at it like if I take Saquon Barkley top five how many wins is he going to improve my team by am I going to take Barkley and he's really going to will our team to four or five more wins or even three is a running back going to do that does he have that much control over the game there's just no way to justify that um even adrian peterson was going i mean when he first came to the league how many losing seasons did he have with the vikings or maybe that's wrong but i don't know if it is but either well, way well how about this well how about this one if i'm the giants i won three games last year odell beckham was injured but now i have him back along with an Evan Ingram, a Sterling Shepard, um, you know, Eli Manning maybe needs a little bit of help. Maybe a Saquon Barkley does improve them by a few wins and puts them into the playoffs, no? 
But if they could take something else that they need way more and then also grab Darius Geis, you know, at 34, you know, would that be a big drop-off or even a drop-off at all? To me, I don't think so. I think Barkley is a great runner, but I don't know if he's the best running back um, even in this class. I think there's a lot of question marks surrounding his game, and I think they're valid. And like I said, to me, I just don't think a running back improves your team by that much. I think you can take a pass rusher or they can grab, you know, Connor Williams from Texas or something like that where even though it's maybe a reach, it's a position that's really going to make a bigger difference. And you can grab Ronald Jones, Darius Geis, you know, Penny, Chubb, um, even some of the other guys like Rock Thomas and Naheem Hines, Mark Walton, some of these other guys that do pretty amazing things and you can get them later in the draft and they're still going to make a huge impact on your team. Um, you know, like, like you said, Jordan Howard, Kareem Hunt, we've seen, you don't have to reach in the top five for a running back. Um, and I don't think Saquon Barkley is at the level of, you know, maybe Adrian Peterson or someone like that. That's really just an outstanding generational once in a decade type talent. I don't think he's that kind of running back. At least that's just my opinion. I think there's some things about his game, but ah. I, I know we've talked about this at the combine like two years in a row, and I just can't justify a running back top five. I don't think Fournette really was the driving force behind Jacksonville's resurgence. I mean, we saw it. It was their defense. Their defense literally carried their team and won them games. It was not their top four pick. So I, I got to say, I build from the front up, you build the offensive line, build the defensive line, build the defense first, get that strong, give your team a backbone. And then you can focus on these glamour positions. But in the meantime, just go with the depth picks. Take Ronald Jones later at 35 or whatever and roll with that. He's still a game changer. The dude still can, you know, give you outstanding production and give you the speed and the home run ability. So, for me, I'm not going to reach and take a running back top ten. Justin, you mentioned you have a few questions uh, in Saquon Barkley's game. Uh, elaborate on that, please. What what are some of the things that you have your doubts about? I know people are saying, yeah, he's looking for the home run. He's always looking for the home run. In at some point, I stopped buying that when I when I saw, you know, six seven yard gains easily in front of him. I mean, easily sitting there in front of him, and he because it was inside, he would look to bounce outside, and he refused to go in the small spaces in the middle of the field or in, you know, in between the tackles, even though they're, they're very much there. Um, I think there was one play against Michigan. I forget. I think it was last year, two years ago. Um, they're on like the 10. It's a sweep or something. He has the most open field you'll ever see. And it was almost like he looked away from it and tried to go even further outside, ends up reversing field all the way, makes a ton of guys miss, ends up with a two yard gain. But Darius Geis, Ronald Jones, Sony Michelle, Carryon Johnson, every running back I've ever seen alive turns this play into six six points. But for some reason, it just seems like Barkley refuses to take what's there unless he bounces unless it's outside. And it's so often he's leaving six, seven yard gains on the field and losing one or two. And I mean it's great that he hits the home runs. It's great that he's an absolute alien with the ball in his hands, but at some point you just gotta grind out those tough yards because in the NFL you can't keep putting your team behind the chains. Even though you're amazing and you can catch the ball and, you know, one out of every ten you're going to hit the home run, you got to help your team get in rhythm and you got to help them get ahead of the chains. And I feel like he's that guy. I mean, the, the Penn State offensive line gets so much blame, but 
they didn't really they weren't really nearly as bad as we thought. Barkley just never really wanted to take those tough yards. And um, I think it kind of hurt their offense to a point. And that's one of those things where, you know, like I said, moving to the NFL, he's got to switch that up. He's got to start pounding some dudes and just take what's there and make guys feel his 225 pounds. But he goes down a lot from arm tackles. He sometimes in the open field, it's like he would rather run at someone and then kind of try and make the miss than just avoid them altogether. He just has a weird running style that I almost can't put my mind, my yeah, my mind around, and it's, it's interesting for a guy that's 225 pounds and moves as well as he does. All right, very interesting take from Justin Gamble, along with uh, Joe Everett, Rick Saratella here on the NFL Draft Bible Radio. The numbness from the dentist is wearing off. We're getting the uh, esophagus back and trying to pronounce some things, so we appreciate everyone's patience as we work through today's show. It's a running back positional preview episode and we're talking about uh the nfl combine coming up and we're going to um talk about overrated underrated a little bit and uh i'll start it off with you joe you know i'll give you uh an overrated guy on my perspective you know to me royce freeman from oregon i've seen him you know all over the place some people very high um, top 100 selection. I, you know, I just don't see a game breaker, someone that I want to invest in a top 100 overall selection in, especially with some of the other running backs that we've been discussing. And then, you know, a guy maybe that we're not talking enough about, I think, is Chase Edmonds from Fordham. I think mainly because of his injury-riddled season this past year, but this guy burst onto the scene like a gangbuster. Uh, I think, you know, he's going to probably be a day three, possibly undrafted free agent running back that I think is going to outperform a lot of these other runners. And, you know, Jordan Chun, I want to keep shooting that horn because I don't think he got the invite to Indianapolis. Maybe he did. I'm not sure offhand. But Jordan Chun from Troy, a guy that before the injury this year, was looking fantastic. Go watch the LSU game. But those those are some of the guys I think, you know, Naheem Hines, I think the secret is out. I think he is a now bonafide top 50 selection. But, um, Joe, looking at your personal board, who's a running back not getting attention out there that you, you know, like he should be? And on the flip side, who's a guy that's getting talked about way too much, in your opinion? Well, I'll be accused of being a homer, and I don't care. Notre Dame's Josh Adams. Uh, I know he's got a knee injury in his history, but look at the actual games. Look at the performance. Uh, I don't care what he times in at as well. It's just something about those long strides when he gets in the open field. I still ain't seen someone catch him from behind. So I think not only is he plenty fast, He's 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 done pro concepts. He knows how to run behind a big beefy offensive line uh, like we had at Notre Dame. I think he's gonna, you know, maybe some injury worries. He doesn't have a lot of hype, and I I don't know that he's gonna test well. But I, I think once we're actually playing the games, he's gonna make a team very happy, and he could end up being I, I think an NFL starter at some point. He's got the size. He runs with power. He has that uh, deep speed, in my opinion. I think uh, just a 
completely fine prospect that not getting enough love, in my opinion, but maybe that's just my Notre Dame things. And then also, uh, I'm a Bo Scarborough hater from way back in the day. I just put my hat with the feather on, and I'm going to let you all know, uh, I just don't see it. I mean, there's we want to talk about injury history and red flags, uh, broken fibula, two ACLs in his history. I think there's more. I'm just, I don't have it written down at the moment. I'm just... I, I don't see super explosive. Yes, he is powerful, and he can move a pile. There's no question. And those three games uh, at the end of uh, not last season but the season before, uh, he was he was a, a, just a, a brick shit house, uh, especially in those playoffs. Uh, just could not be stopped, and that's what it took. It took to break his fibula to stop him. So, I mean, there's no question he's a physical big back, but uh, I just don't know that it's worth the high pick and the hype, uh, a lot of hype that he's getting. I just, I think it's misplaced, and really, I've been saying it, I think he was the third best back on Alabama last year. I, I cannot wait to see what uh, Najee Harris has got cooking. Uh, we'll be a sophomore next year, and I'm still a huge Damian Harris fan. Heck, I'd take Josh Jacobs for Bo Scarborough. Uh, I'm just, uh, I don't see it. And I think a team that takes him expecting he's going to develop into a starter, uh, he is a part of a committee in my mind. Maybe I'm just crazy on that. But, yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not buying any uh, Scarborough. And I'm, I'm throwing one more underrated. Also did not get a combine invite. Uh, my man, Dearness Johnson, South Florida. Uh, I don't even know if he's a day three guy. may not even be drafted. But Willie Taggart's staff has vehemently said this is the smartest and best all-around football player on the entire roster, and that was before they left to Oregon. So uh, if they're going to say that about Dearness Johnson, that's a guy I'm going to leave the line on for, and UDFA, I don't care. I want to see where he goes to camp because something tells me he's going to get into a camp and the coaching staff's just going to love him. So, yeah, I think that Dearness Johnson probably is a forgotten running back of this class. Yeah, I would have loved to seen him get the invite to Indianapolis, and uh, along with our guy Dayshrez Newsom from Western Carolina, who had a strong week at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, also on the outside looking in. And those guys will have to wait till their pro day, obviously, to impress NFL scouts. Let's toss it over to Justin now for overrated, underrated guys. Who do you have, Jay? I'll go overrated first. And, uh, and and I want to make it clear, overrated doesn't mean bad. It doesn't mean I think he sucks. It just means that maybe the hype's gotten a little crazy. Um, I remember coming into this year and I was hyping up on Johnson. And, you know, I was thinking day two guy, you know, physical, um, instinctive runner, you know, round three. All of a sudden it's like, you know, he has like a good game or two and everyone's contemplating whether or not he'll go in the first round. I think that's a little crazy. He's had some injury histories, I believe, with the shoulders and stuff. He's thin-hipped. He's kind of thin-legged as well. Um, it's like he he does a lot of good things. He's got some bursts. He's got some uh, he's got some athleticism to get to the outside. But overall, I think he's kind of a one-speed runner. Um, I don't think he's uber powerful. I think he just kind of knows how to run and let guys bounce off of him. But he's not really delivering the blows. Um, it's 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 just gotten a little much with that guy. I think he can be a, a feature back, but I don't think there's a first-round pick or even really a second-round pick in the midst of there. I just don't see enough physical ability to really change a game to put him ahead of Geis or Jones or even Sony Michelle. Um, he's a good player, 
but I think he's getting just a little, a little too high on people's boards right now. Um, one of the guys that's also, or that's you know, in the same conference as him that I think is vastly underrated is Jordan Wilkins from Ole Miss. Um, watch this guy go play against Bama this past year, and he put on a show. The patience and the vision he showed, I mean, he was just, you could tell how frustrated he was making Bama because constantly, you know, they would two-gap and Deron Payne's blowing up plays and the linebackers are flowing and scraping, and this dude's weaving in and out of everybody breaking off some big runs. And I think he's probably one of the best athletes I've seen at the running back position in this whole class. Unbelievably fluid. His hips are effortless. He can catch the ball in the backfield like a receiver. Um, he's big. He's got long speed. I think he's listed at like 6'1", 215. That might be a little much, but I don't know. He looks kind of like one of those wiry, thick, strong dudes. So I, I genuinely don't know what he's going to weigh in at, but I think he's going to put on a show at the combine. I think People, scouts are going to be impressed by how fluid and how explosive this guy can really be with the ball in his hands. Um, and coming from the SEC, it's, it's odd to see a guy so underhyped, but he did have to sit out his junior season, I think because it's uh, academic ineligibility, but he came back senior year and put on an absolute show against some of the best teams in the nation. Well, you know, you, and also you mentioned a guy earlier in the show, a former – you know, who began in the SEC, then transferred to Jacksonville State. Rock Thomas, you talk about, yeah, splash plays and impressive film. I really like what I saw out of that young man. And uh, we're talking about running back, positional preview here on the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show. Rick Saratella, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble. Make sure you check us out over on NFLDraftBible.com. Can't stop, won't stop coverage, exclusive interviews. We've got new positional rankings, pre-combine rankings, scouting reports, the latest draft buzz, of course. And, um, you know, let's get into – I think we, we've we covered pretty much all the guys that are expected to go on day one and day two. Uh, if you do have any other guys that you want to cover from, from day one or day two, please feel free. Otherwise – you know, I'm curious to know who are some of the players on your personal big board when day three rolls around and you're in that draft room, you know, team need is on the board, running back, you know, now day three rolls around. We're going to start thinking about that. Who are some of the guys, Justin, on your big board that you could that you think could be big-time day three value picks? Give me my hometown kid and give me Philip Lindsay from CU. Um, I, I don't know how he didn't get invited to the combine. I think that's just criminal because the, the guy just eats, breathes, and loves football, man. And he's not one of those players where he's good in college and he's not going to translate to the NFL. I mean, he's got legit four fours in the four four speed. He can catch the ball. He's tough. He, he, there's just he's small. I'll, you know, I'll give, I'll, you know, whoever wants to argue that, yeah, he's 5'8", 190, but if you're looking for a number three running back for your team that can come in and has value on screens and has value, I mean, he's got great, but he can run between the tackles. That's the thing is he's not too small or not instinctive enough. The guy can do it. You know, is he going to get 25, 30 carries a game? No, but he can break off some big runs. He's going to give your team physicality. He's going to love the game. He's going to study. He's going to wear down defenses. You know, when you bring in the third running back, that's usually when your top two guys are worn out and you just need someone to just simply 
carry the ball and, you know, just go through the motions. This guy's going to come in and make that defense work. You're never going to get a break with him on the field, and you have to worry about his speed and his change of direction. I don't know how he didn't get a combine invite, but I think day three rolls around, rounds five, six, seven, and whoever gets this kid is getting a stud. Um, I, I, I don't see a skill set that doesn't translate. I think he's going to be I think he's going to be a guy to watch out for. Yeah, you know, and I, th- I do think there's great depth in this year's draft at the running back position, and, and we'll see how that shakes out. But, yeah, I think a handful of running backs not invited to the combine could be selected. I think a good amount of running backs invited, uh, you know, might not be selected. But, uh, Joe, who are you going to start pounding the table for and, and getting all excited about uh, with some of these day three running backs? Who, who, who gets your juices flowing for you? Uh, Jeff Wilson, North Texas. Were it not from an in, for an injury, I think he would have had a big-time all-star uh, performance, but I think he just had to go get some things right and the, before the whole off-season. But that's a big reason why Wilson got a combine invite. Some may have been surprised, but been watching the North Texas Mean Green since last season. Uh, Wilson was just short of 1,000 yards last year, uh, got it done this season. And I think uh, that's a back just – complete player and I don't know if he gets drafted but I think day three is right about where he's sitting and then uh underrated I probably should have brought him up before this but he's the Rodney Dangerfield of running backs this year Uh, Darrell Williams the LSU running back I'm sorry but Leonard Fournette's here you're gonna have to back him up and I'm sorry but Darius Geis is here you're just gonna have to back him up too but Darrell Williams is a quality running back. There's a reason he was at the Senior Bowl. There's a reason he's got a combine invite. He'll be drafted, and I think he'll have to wait till day three, but whoever gets him getting one heck of a player, I don't think there's a question about that. And then, speaking of guys not invited to the combine, Ralph Webb, you know he's going to be playing in the league. You know he's going to get drafted, and I just think that's one they may have just got wrong uh, national scouting there. But, uh, yeah, Webb, uh, he's a day three guy. And then two more that you brought him up earlier, Rick, Detrez Newsome. I, I dare say he's a draft Bible favorite. Uh, I, I think he's a power runner. He can catch, kick return. There's just a bunch. He does well. So you, you have to assume if he doesn't get drafted day three, he's going to end up having himself a home. And then it wouldn't be a, a show if I didn't go max and Jarvie and Franklin – Western Michigan, uh, I, I was just uh, so happy to see him on the combine invite list uh, and mystified why during the All-Star break, it must have been another injury situation, but I thought for sure he'd end up at East-West, end up at the NFL, end up somewhere. I didn't see his name on any of the lists. I still think uh, it's just a little fumbleitis is his only issue in, in, in Kalamazoo. Outside of that, uh, the guy was just a stud and just career production that he's had. And there's just a ton of good backs at Western Michigan. And he's, he's one of them. I think he's uh, definitely a senior this year. That's so overlooked. It's not even funny, but that's the guy day three. I would be happy to have him as a member of my committee. Well, definitely some noteworthy names there. And the uh, LSU running back to Williams kind of remind me of uh, Alfred blue, coming out of LSU a few years back, got no love because of the timeshare committee in that, in that LSU Tigers backfield. And he's gone on to have a pretty good career. Keith Ford 
from Texas A&M, the, uh, oh, the yeah. Oklahoma transfer. You know, uh, he's another guy kind of flying under the radar. And you talk about Ralph Webb, you know, not receiving a, uh, a combine invite. Jeez, I mean, talk about a crime. Uh, one other guy, how about John Kelly from Tennessee? You know, maybe also flying under the radar could be a, a good value pick there too uh, at the running back position. So, you know, we've been kind of uh, combing our way through our personal boards here on the running back rankings and uh, wrapping things up, getting to the nitty-gritty and, and winding it down here on the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show. I guess, uh, Justin, you know, any other running backs that you want to cover, any topics that you want to throw out there before we put a, a, a bow on the show? And, uh, you know, obviously the Indianapolis Combine coming up next week, anything that you want to discuss before we say goodbye? Um, you know, you mentioned a few names, John Kelly. Uh, I think he's a lot like, it sounds cliche. He's a lot like Kareem Hunt from last year. He's not the most athletic guy, but he's physical. He competes for everything. Um, he's got good, good vision and instincts inside. I like that. Um, I recently saw a post, I think it was on NFL.com or something though. And, uh, they were asking or they were, you know, given candidates of who could possibly break, the 40 record. And I, I know they brought up three corners. They brought up, I think Denzel Ward from Ohio state, Dante Jackson from LSU. Can't remember who the other guy was, maybe DJ Chark from LSU, the, the, the wide receiver, but they also brought up Saquon Barkley. Um, and I, that kind of shocked me because I'm curious to ask the NFL draft Bible family. What is, what are we predicting? He runs in the 40 because I think he's fast, but I don't think he's, sub four, three fast by any means. Is that, is that, am I, is that opinion shared or you guys think I'm a little off there? Well, he, in the spring, uh, a year ago, he was clocked at four, three, nine, but that's granted the happy Valley trainers and their happy clock. I'm expecting <laughs> mid four fours. Like that's what I okay. see on the field. And yeah, if he ran sub four, four, I would be, I'd be pretty shocked. And, hey, if he does run sub 4-4, four, four, I ain't going to hurt his stock neither. But uh, I would call, like, 4-4-4 uh, four, four, four would be my prediction for Markley. Rick? You know, I, I, I listen, it's not going to surprise me because he's been reportedly, from what I understand, he's been timed in the 4-3 range. And, you know, while you might not say, hey, on film he looks like a 4-3 runner, but you give these guys two, three months to prepare for these kinds of tests, of course – you know, our good friends at Parabolic Performance, that's the thing, that's what they do. They take a guy that's 444 and have him test out at 438. And I think that with all this time leading up to the draft, I think, yeah, I think it's possible that he is able to shave uh, some time off his 40 yard dash. So it wouldn't shock me, it wouldn't surprise me. And whether he does or doesn't, I don't think, I don't think it um, increases or decreases his draft stock one bit. But I'll throw. I'll throw one more name out, and, and we'll get to Joe's final thoughts. And I'll go back over to you, Justin, so Joe can have his rebuttal. But, you know, we, we made a, a little bit of a um, discussion about Lamar Jackson. Meanwhile, you know, Quentin Flowers from South Florida, no one questions uh, his decision to change positions. I'm assuming we view him as a running back. Is this a guy who – does have the skill set to get drafted, and how fast does he run? Oof. 
Uh, yikes. I, see, when I watched South Florida, I think – I didn't study him as much as I thought because he was a quarterback and I knew he wasn't going to make it as quarterback. So I didn't break down his skill set and think, you know, what's he going to look like as a running back. But I think from, from live views and what I remember watching of him, I do think he was athletic enough to make a switch and maybe not be a feature back or maybe not even be a game changer or a guy that's going to really contribute. But I think he's got a place in the league at running back. I think as a runner, he's definitely natural and explosive enough to make that switch. Um, That's really all I can comment on it because, like I said, it was just live views, and I knew he wasn't going to be a quarterback. I wasn't sure what he was going to do, but Joe might have some more. I know Joe watches them small school guys a little more than I do. Yeah, Joe, I got him I mean, at a four five two. Four five two. Now, is there enough intrigue though? The playmaking ability, the athleticism. Obviously, he's an athlete. Where do you what do you do with a guy like this? I'm happy he realizes quarterback ain't happened. Someone finally sat him down and told him the facts. But I, I don't see how yeah. running back's going to happen without pass protection drills. I mean, the, he's two ten. I believe was the last weight I got for him. So that's at least he's not some string being thinking he can run between the tackles, but that's just it. I don't know uh, what his vision's like uh, taking snaps or not taking snaps, but, you know, taking those handoffs now it's uh, yeah, I'm seeing in a lot, a lot of the, uh, what is it? Reynolds from army when he made that switch. It's like, well, yeah, good. We know you're not a quarterback, but is running back the answer? I'm, I'm just not so sure. I, I, I don't see the transition. He may look pretty gnarly in the drills. And, yeah, if uh, he shows up and tests, I think he's going to run in the four fives. It's just I, I don't see any super explosion, whereas, like, you know, with a guy like Lamar Jackson, you, you saw this cut on a dime ability and that one step that could take him five yards. Quinn Flowers real fluid. He moves really well, but – it's it's part of that game that 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 zone read and you know uh, just as the, taking your mismatch and oh it's me versus the free safety yeah your quarterback better win that or else he's he's a dud uh, but yeah I just I don't know Flowers going running back uh, it, it's uh, it is what it is and you know maybe he'll make it in a camp somewhere but yeah this is another switch I think it's going to take a little bit of time and I don't know that he's some elite mover I think he was a a very quality mover out of that quarterback position that's what made it work whereas now if he's the ball handler official I don't don't know that it's the same magic as it was uh, from the quarterback position so yeah I think Flowers in, in a bit of a trouble and that's one of the biggest problems I got with these combine invites Flowers gets an invite. JT Barrett gets an invite. Why? There's so many better quality players I would rather see here in Indianapolis. So, it's, But national scouting, they, they're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah, and, you know, XFL may be two years too late for Quentin Flowers. It's a shame because he's such an explosive and, and great collegiate player. And then, you know, really there just might not be a position for him at the next level. Maybe CFL is an option that remains to be seen. Just an interesting name. You know, if you're an avid college football fan, obviously Quentin Flowers, one of the biggest playmakers of the college football season. So uh, just, you know, interesting to gauge the temperature on what your guys' opinion is on him. Uh, All right, Joe, final thoughts from you as we wrap things up here. 
I forgot to bring one running back up, Ryan Nall from Oregon State. I only mention him because I believe strongly the Patriots are going to draft him. He just strikes me as one of those Patriots players. He's a heck of a runner. He catches really well. He's a big, solid back that blocks. Uh, he's a great pass protector. I think just one of those things. What do the Patriots love? Guys that can do a bunch of things all in one position. That's that's Ryan Nall. Man, it's just he stinks of a Pats player. I'll just say that. And then uh, I think we should do predictions on who's the fastest in Indy. And I'm, it's it's between two guys for me right now. That corner from Ohio State's a strong contender, Ward. But I'm sticking with my. Uh, my my ruffian, my outlaw, Antonio Callaway. I've got a strong feeling he shows up, and if he doesn't run something in the four threes, I'd be shocked. I'll just I'll just put it that way. So my pick, fastest forty in Indy, uh, Antonio Callaway, suspended receiver from Florida. Okay, Justin, who do you got? Fastest combine time. The more I watch him, uh, they call him the cheetah for a reason. I think Dante Jackson, the nickel corner from LSU. Uh, he's reportedly been timed in the four twos, and I think he's going to throw down four twos in Indy. Yeah, Dante Jackson would would be my guy. Uh, I think him and DJ Shark will be neck and neck, but I'll, I'll just be different and go with Naheem uh, Hines. I think Ooh. the NC State running back, you know, he might turn some heads and, and put a speed burner out there for you guys to just marinate on. I like it. Um, all right, just a few minutes left to play around with. I'm just curious to gauge – one last question here, and then we'll get out of here. You know, Alex Smith was the first quarterback domino to fall. A.J. McCarron now has been granted unrestricted free agency, but I think the dominoes can't really fall for everyone else, the Sam Bradfords and Case Keenums of the world, until the Kirk Cutter situation uh, gets situated. Now, just a, a guess here. You know, where do you kind of see Kirk Cousins going, Justin? I I keep I think like my my gut and my instinct everything I whatever in Denver I, I don't see how Denver doesn't make the move for him. It's just when you when you weigh all the options out and you look at everything, it kind of I just don't see Elway passing up on Kirk. Um, they've got the dra- I'm, they've got the money they've got resources to go get him and pay him. Um, they can cut a lot of players. You know, they could cut either Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas. They could let go of some of the defensive guys. And I think, you know, a guy like John Elway, a former quarterback, he's probably not going to want to reinvest in a first-round pick after he just whiffed on Paxton Lynch. I think he's going to try and take the sure thing and go after Kirk, you know, the guy that's already proven, the guy that's a veteran that comes into the locker room and, you know, commands the respect and the attention. It just – that feels like an Elway type of move. And um, I know there's a lot of other, you know, good possibilities – are good landing spots for Kirk, but Denver feels probably like the front runner for me. Yeah, they had a, a lot of luck, obviously, with Peyton Manning. Um, however, you know, Elway was resistant to throw big bucks around at Brock Osweiler, and, and that proved to be the right choice. Will he throw big bucks around at Kirk Cousins, Joe? And, you know, report this week also saying the Jets would not write Kirk Cousins a blank check. The Cleveland Browns, obviously, with a bunch of money to spend. How do you see the Cousins situation unfolding? I'd, I'd like to say something different, but I agree with Justin here. And as a Broncos fan, I, I almost don't want to see it happen, but – 
it, it, it all makes sense. Elway wanting to go the veteran route, and, um, you know, they were up against it uh, cap-wise, but there's a few names they're about to jettison, and especially to keep to leave. I can't wait till he leaves. I just think that guy's a dirtball. Uh, not a fan at all. So that, that opens up, what, 10 mil at least? Uh, for one year, and uh, there's a few. I don't know if it's one of the wide receivers, but uh, adding a veteran to that, and you, you still have your, your your focal point on the pass rush, your defense is strong. I, I, I think, yeah, adding that veteran quarterback makes a lot of sense. And also for the Jets, it, they've got the space to make the move, but I, I kind of agree with, you know, maybe staying away from veteran, maybe rookie's the way to go for them right now. It's how many times do you pass? Uh, what is the last rookie quarterback with Sanchez? I, I think they got to go back to that well, and I'm sure their fans want to see them go back to the well too. So, yeah, I I think they avoid spending all that money and uh, try their luck at the at the rookie draft. Well, as funny as it sounds, they have gone that route with with the uh, Bryce Petty and Geno Smith yeah. and Christian Hackenbergs of the How world. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, you know, well, I mean, first guys have been able to, <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, I think that is the game plan with the Jets to bring back Josh McCown almost as a uh, placeholder slash coach and, and groom a guy, uh, dare I say, a Baker Mayfield, and uh, we shall see. But it's been an interesting draft conversation here. On the NFL Draft Bible Radio, straight all straight out the dentist chair, and we appreciate everyone's patience working through that. Um, you know, a little bit proud of myself here doing a show with a completely entire numb mouth, but you can't stop us talking <laughs> from the dirty south. You know, hey, this is how we get down, baby. BlogTalkRadio.com. Of course, we're on iTunes. We're going to be up on the NFL Draft Bible.com. So, uh, for Joe Everett, Justin Gamble. And myself, RIC, and the place to be short and sweet, everybody, this week. We'll be back next week with the wide receiver positional preview. I'll be, uh, you know, broadcasting on location from the Combine, and we'll uh, coordinate with all the guys here and and bring you a brand-new show right here next week on the Blog Talk Radio Draft Show. Hit it, Joe.